It's part three of our Prohibition series this week, Return of the Drunk Guy. We're finished. It's repeal time this week, and we can go back to drinking. Was there anything good about Prohibition, or was it all something we should put behind us? We'll try and figure that out. So come in and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Right. Yeah, that's about how we're doing. <laughs> that's about where we're at. We're about four hours into this. Oh, yeah. Uh, for those of you time traveling. <laughs> those of you traveling at the normal rate of time, you're, yes. uh, you're seeing this much later, but... This has been one one boozy one boozy train. If you follow us on Untapped, you could see how this train is uh, unraveling. That's true. Uh, untapped is going to reveal much more than this episode wheel about how much I've drank. Which reminds me, I haven't checked in yet for this for this one. Oh god! Yeah, we'll get to the end of this. What we've been drinking for the past three episodes. You'll be like, why have they been doing that segment? Because we were saving it. Yeah, saving it all. We've got quite a few. Yes. So, uh, so up top, um, we're, we're not going to do unta- untapped on this one also. Um, so, but we do have a few announcements we want to let you guys know about. Announcements! <laughs> Yay! Uh, if you're going to Nerdtacular 2017 in Salt Lake City, Utah on June 29th, be sure to hit us up on email or social media so we, we can get together for a meetup. We can uh, get back and forth on those details. Um, we are still waiting on more details about the conference itself, but... Uh, as far as the meetup is concerned, we uh, we have a few things in mind. Um, also, our next video episode will be Sunday, May 23rd, 2017 on DiamondClub.tv at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to be covering the Great Lakes Brewing Company Fridge Filler Pack. Um, you can fill in my fridge. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, you can check out our show upcoming episodes as well as events on uh, the main page of the website, haveadrinkshow.com. Yeah, man, that schedule is so handy because I am so dumb. Right, I completely constantly forget what's going on. Yeah, it's I've... finally updated, so we're good. Uh, so yeah, uh, in Great Lakes, we realize that's a little more regional. They're not quite national level, but they are a big regional one. So you may be able to lay your hands on it. Yeah, unfortunately, we won't always be able to get the nationally distributed stuff. Um, very few I mean, even we'll eventually do... run out at that rate. So right, so um. But yeah, if you can get your hands on it, definitely um, try to drink along with us for that one. Um, finally, our um, show music artist, so the guy doing our intro and exit music, uh, Alan Robinson, 
now has a new album out. Um, so we wanted to kind of give a little plug for that. He was also featured in Skinny Devil magazine um, about his guitars and stuff. It was it was actually pretty pretty fascinating. And I thought the pictures were really great. <laughs> There's like one of him laying with like his six or whatever guitars. Let let the piece that they did was like guitar gods. Yeah, guitar gods. <laughs> Um, so you can go check out his website, which we also have linked on our great resources page on our site. Um, it's alanrobinson.me. Yeah, All right. No, please check that out because yeah. he's done. He's very we're, talented. We're so happy with his, with the, the music we've got. And I'm just like, oh, fits no. the show well. Yeah. yeah we were just needs... talking about, I was like, oh, do we want more music? And it's like, no, I think this one's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. That cowbell. We keep using all parts <laughs> of the Buffalo. It took us a year to realize, oh wait, there is more to that song. <laughs> Like well, we got what we need. What what else could there be? Dun, dun. Oh, there's there's so much more. Yeah, we have like break music now and everything. Yeah, that's pretty great. So, I guess we're just gonna go and roll into. We have a little bit of uh, news, bit of an announcement here. Uh, we're sourcing. <laughs> yes, we're sourcing this one from uh, Brew Studs. We've used them a few times. Uh, Beer Camp is back. They have a festival tour and collaboration craft beers coming in June. Uh, this I wish they were coming near us with the tour. I will be close. No cigar though. Yeah, not really close enough, as it turns out. Uh, beer camp across the world, not across America this time, will deliver twelve dream beers and festivals in eight cities. So it was only six beers last year, right? For across America, am I, I incorrect in that? I they usually do about a dozen, eight to a, uh, I think uh, a dozen. They they fill the entire. 12 pack with um it, it they don't duplicate in the 12 pack okay i thought for some reason i thought last year they only did six and they did two of each hmm. but uh, see i don't remember the details for some reason i know is it's a whole new world <laughs> this it one is. looks great oh yeah they're everything for the across the world i've got to get into this um and you're spring... correct chris huh you are correct they did six mm. and uh they doubled up okay mm-hmm. I thought I had, like, look, we did the episode about them, and then we had one of each still in the fridge, so I was like, hmm, I can't wait to get to that. Last year they did uh, Southern Table Beer, which is the one that had kind of the the peaches and tea and honey in it. Um, They did a pale ale with rye, um, a session rye with hibiscus, and an Imperial Session IPA, an Imperial Brown, and a Robust Stout. And just weird experimentation that comes out sometimes in in the beer camp i'm always like yes so we're gonna have to do a beer camp special episode oh yeah that's that's gonna be a tasting if we can get our hands (laughs) on this we're done special report coming in so here's the thing though they're they're doing 12 bottles this year again so So you want to see us get really wrecked that's gonna be a great two hour episode that's a block yeah that, that needs to be an extra extra long video and yeah. it's not going to be on a sunday well and, and <laughs> I may not you, be able to. so yeah. we haven't talked much about what the beers are yet let's talk about those because that's going to tell even more about how drunk we're going to get <laughs> true yeah completely go ahead just, casey yeah, uh, tell us about let's start those with just your basics there up top those first two um fuller's brewery is coming together with uh, sierra nevada to produce a vintage ale um garage project out of new zealand is going to be putting together a porter Mm. Um, if you look at Duvel or Duvel from um, from Belgium, they're going to come and, and and break the mold a little bit and make a hoppy golden Belgian golden. Uh, you'll see Saint Saint Arnold from Texas. 
I want to wait until to go back to that, oh, that okay. one. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from uh, St. Arnold, you're going to get a Berliner Weiss. That's going to um, be amazing. I can't wait for that. Eyinger from Germany is bringing together a Dunkel Weiss. Yeah. Yeah. Again, they can. They go okay. way around a Dunkel Weiss. Like, that's fine. Eyinger. Didn't they lose out big for us on on uh, the Meritzen tasting? At yeah. the Meritzen Bowl. Meritzens, but I've had I've had some stuff from them that can be pretty good. It, that, that that was also just due to to that was due I think in large part to import. Yeah, that's what right. we. I think everything that they do for these beers are all brewed here in the U.S. Yes, at the, uh, probably the two facilities actually. So we, we may be even closer that's to true. a uh, one of these Sierra Nevada beers than oh, we think. That's right. Um, mm. With with. Treehouse Brewing Company from Massachusetts, I think that is, or yeah, Massachusetts. Um, you're going to find a West Coast IPA. Uh, you'll get East a Coast. lager, a ginger Arnold. lager from Surly, uh, a raspberry Sunday from the brewery. Was a raspberry Sunday. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this Thai style iced tea from yes. the Keller. I have yes. no idea what to make of that, but it sounds interesting. And uh, with uh, white IPA with yuzu. Does anybody know what yuzu is? No, no idea. Uh, no, but the internet can tell us many things. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a citrus type fruit. Um, okay. Looks oh like yeah, looks like a, like a really lemon. Ugly. It's like a lemon had angry copulation with a with an orange. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that strange. Sounds tasty looking. though. Um. Oh, close to a pomelo. Basically, mm, so okay. Okay. that does so not clear things up. I, see, I don't know what that, that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Close to a pomelo. Good, good. Great. Let's replace one un- uh, strange word for another. Yeah. <laughs> I think the pomelo is where we get our modern um, modern grapefruit from. I don't think the modern oh, grapefruit okay. is really. You know, I think we actually created it. I may be wrong on that. I know for sure we did some lemons and limes that way, but. Mm. Okay. Anyways, the size but, of the limes I've been seeing lately, I'm pretty sure we've been doing something to them. <laughs> There's something in the water. True. Uh, and it's not... Limes uh, as big as my head. It's not uh, what plants crave. No. Brondo. Brondo. Um, but the two things that I think they're going to really put us over the edge <laughs> are this West Coast-style double IPA from Boneyard. Yeah, that's... And the hmm. barley wine from Avery, a dry-hopped v- barley wine. That sounds Avery, awesome. what are you doing to me? <laughs> so everything that's going to be an interesting list. episode. Yeah, everything on this list is just, wow. We will uh, get tanked, but I, okay. It sounds so fascinating, though. Like, it's so good they went worldwide on this to get yes. such different flavors. The breweries involved in this it is absolutely insane. Casey, do you want to point out that, like, Chris and Brady are like, oh, we're going to get smashed. They're going to be splitting. Right. That's like, right. We we only really need to buy three packs. You and I are the ones that are going to have to drink an entire twelve pack. Yeah. This like, may hold be, off yeah. until the end of the episode. This may be an episode where we need to all be in house. <laughs> that would help. That Especially would end up being that would, that would stop my liver pack. from like shuddering in terror. We we may need to do that, and and for that matter, it also says the um the pack doesn't come out until June. We got yeah. so we we at least have a minute. So well, we do now. But if you're listening to this, <laughs> yes, uh, that's you're true. in the middle of May. So you know you'll be hitting right there in the next week or two. You'll be getting this uh, this beer pack coming available. That'll be our wait, one wait, other wait, thing wait, wait. to do. When, before... when will when will then be now? Soon. <laughs> It, it, that'll be our one other thing to do before Nerdtacular, probably like our other meat space event if we can afford mm-hmm. it. But yeah, that that'll be interesting. Maybe we could do that for one of the um, uh, festivals approaching yeah. us. That... Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 
Yeah, because That's we aren't true. already drinking enough during those times. Right, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> So the tour schedule looks good for them. Um, I would really like to have I would really like to have a, a lot more opportunity to taste this beer um, right. and and to have more festivals in there. But they've got it looks like eight lined up right now. Um, June third, you're going to be on East Coast and West Coast, and you're going to find them in Portland, Maine, and San Francisco, California. Which God, I was really hoping for like Portland, Oregon, because again, good yeah. opportunity there. Portland to shining Portland, as we like to say. Curse you, Tyler. <laughs> Chicago kind of meets in the middle with the next weekend, June 10th. Um, and then you get Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, of course, Raleigh, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, Long Beach, California, and Seattle, Washington, finishing up on June 30th. So, Tyler, if you don't make it to the June 3rd Portland one, we are going to be upset. I because we no, can't. He's got his tickets. own life. He does not have to be held accountable to us. But if you do get there, you bring me stuff. I don't know how you'll get it to me. But Report you... back. Be our reporter in the field on this, exactly how they're handling the event. Do a little audio clip on your phone or something. Yeah, anything. We will feature it. I wish it, if it weren't happening in June, like it were happening like in fall sometime, the mm-hmm. Chicago one would actually not be totally unreasonable for us to attempt at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like six hour drive or something like that. It's not horrible. It could be worse. I probably Raleigh, North Carolina or Chicago, Illinois would be about the same drive for you all. I think yeah. mm. I hear North Carolina. I just hear like somewhere out there. I have friends going like, Oh, is Justin going to come visit us? No, I don't have the money or the time. Yeah. That's still a drive. That's still gas. <laughs> but Oh, well that, so that's coming up in the next, the next week or two, whenever this airs. And so, uh, if you're listening to this right after it, it comes out, have fun. Those are some pretty cool events. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're near them, go to them. That's going to be a blast. But we will do a special video episode, which you should probably catch those over at DiamondClub.tv. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. we will go through all 12. Because we're smart. Because <laughs> we're smart. Oh, God. If, if I have to go through 12 whole bottles of beer, it's going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we have Judge like box. a meat and cheese oh. tray in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do so they're twelve ounce bottles. We're gonna have to Gallagher my whole computer setup. <laughs> just like no, no, let's just go ahead and wrap you around. Nothing's gonna seep in here. Well, if it's a meat space situation, that's just when we have like a platter of snacks in front of us, so that we're just not like dying. <laughs> yeah. If if we do have to drink the entire thing ourselves um that's over a gallon of liquid oh god in those 12 bottles forget the alcohol content if, that, that if alone I'm, is already like oh Jesus. i've done and... four liters before but i pop blood vessels in each of my eyes <laughs> there's that and if um, if we were looking to do it in like the standard hour time span that we get in one um one show a no. lot. The power hour. Something that about four and a half minutes <laughs> no, per beer. We cannot do that. The power hour. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. The other uh, if, if, if if there is ever a time for the power hour, it's that one. The other sad fact is that again, and I say this because we're not trying to stick to a schedule because of the stress factor. So like if I'm pregnant by then <laughs> The three of you will be getting the power hour. <laughs> if it's the three of us, then we'll die as champions. Yes, I'll be I'll be like running snacks out and out, basically, Sweet, and sorry. doing have a tea. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, well Which, let's let's stop yeah. this this fever dream that we have. It's I am. I'm so week, pumped. 
uh, last uh, episode, we got rid of alcohol. So let's no. see what's going to happen now that it's gone. I'm drunk. You're drunk. Everybody's drunk. We no truer are. words have ever been spoken about this show. <laughs> oh my! This has been a lovely afternoon. Like for the, for those unaware, uh, we've alluded to it, but we recorded all three parts, all three in this prohibition series in one afternoon. Again, because afternoon we're is incredibly generous. We started smart. before noon. Yeah, yeah we it did. was like eleven a.m. We're approaching yeah. like four o'clock. I cracked the first beer at eleven. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's I our own separate problem. And have tea before eleven. Right. Yeah. I had a green tea, no. and then it's all been beer. No, I have a I'm pot even of doubling up on one of the beers I've had right now, and I still have a special one for the end of the episode. So <laughs> I had a half a pot of coffee, and it was like, no, there are no breaks after that. Yeah, I've had a sandwich. So let's start talking about what we've had. <laughs> uh, let's start, no, correction. Let's start uh, with a little dis- uh, disclaimer. Yes. That we have started all these with. So. First of all, I would like to say that we are trying for historical accuracy in what we're doing, but we are biased in being very anti-prohibition. Sorry, it's just how we are. And slightly intoxicated. That is also a different disclosure. <laughs> um, again, as I've said in the previous episodes, we uh, we are going for historical accuracy, and history has some unfortunate views. Um, yes. Not, we're using direct quotes from things, and not all of them would be what we would call... Um, PC? Yeah. We are going for accuracy, though, so we are going to try to read them as they are said. Uh, none of them are the worst of things that I've seen in the world, but right. they're still not great. So we're we're going to try to present them in an accurate, uh, in, as accurately as we can but we're doing it just for the show. This does not reflect our our personal views. Yes, we are we are not taking sides on this, but we are not going to put words when it comes to quotes. We're not going to put words in someone's mouth and we're not going to change them. Hmm. So as they are presented to us, we will present them to you in that fashion. And if any of us attempt to run for political office, please do not put this in an attack ad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it will be. I expect it will it. be. I fully expect Absolutely. it. I'm pretty like I, I I threw away any chance of running for office. No, the hell started doing this. The Halloween episode pretty much put <laughs> right. the nails in the coffin on that one. You guys know like our skeletons are out for everyone to see. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Crap. We have a couple friends about the show. I don't know. I like give we it... have a couple of skeletons left in our closet, but it's a good it... thing there are only a few of you listening. Just to this. give it ten years. It'll be idiocracy, and they won't really care what your past was. <laughs> Oh man, maybe we can be President Tell Comancho. That to Paula Dean. <laughs> and if only Paula Dean was the one reading some of these quotes, <laughs> would make more sense. Mm. Reference back make to a last lot episode. More sense. All, all right. right, let's get started. So, with all the illegal distribution and sale of alcohol that was going on, because let's face it, people were still drinking. Uh, so someone had to be buying it and drinking it. So where was all this illegal drinking done? Well. Sometimes in the home. There were provisions in the Volstead Act that allowed for, quote, medicinal alcohol, end quote. Again, parallels we've been making between this and the uh, and marijuana. Yeah, I know. Not getting any less strong. It's fun to smoke marijuana. <laughs> if anything, they are uh, they're getting stronger. Yeah. yeah. 
medicinal alcohol typically meant whiskey. Uh, <laughs> like it's you, you didn't have to be at death's door to get a doctor's prescription for it. Uh, it <laughs> in fact, some distillers were uh, were expecting it. In Louisville, the Wathern Brothers, uh, makers of Old Granddad. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. It looks like Wathen. <laughs> they uh, Wathen maybe yeah. Uh, they reorganized as the American Medicinal Spirits Company. Yeah. Well, whiskey and favorite. <laughs> they added uh, more brands under their name and began to distribute legal alcohol uh, to druggists around the country. At one point, a Boston druggist client, basically on the first day that they started distributing things, uh, purchased 15,000 barrels of uh, 15,000 pints of bourbon. 54,000. 54. Yeah. 54,000. Sorry. 54,000 pints of bourbon. Holy crap. <laughs> Which he was sure he could resell in his local medical markets. Yeah, I'm sure he was absolutely sure it would happen. I'm going to have to ruin this for a second. So, medicinal whiskey. My dad will still, if he has a throat ache, Mm-hmm. Or if, oh yeah, and or he so he has circulation problems in his legs, and he's never really gotten it checked out because he hates doctors, and um, I, I, he's like basically got restless leg syndrome and some kind of circulation problem. Something me and your dad agree on. Yeah, he will take a he's got a a giant bottle of Buffalo Trace bourbon that he keeps hidden, um, and will have he moves his fingers like that. His index about and this th- much. Yeah, his index and thumbs fingers up and down. He's like about this much. About three or four yeah. times. Oh, yeah. like, hey, about this much. <laughs> and he's like, I helps me sleep at night. And I was like, okay, Dad. And then my my dearly amazing grandma who just passed away recently. His mother at eighty nine. Oh no, she loved it when we when we got married at Buffalo Trace. Her, and- our wedding was the day <laughs> of her life. Like. She was like, this she was is like, the best bourbon day ever. We took her to the Holy Land. We're like, no. Yeah. Come on, Grandma. We getting you drunk. This is the same grandmother who went deer hunting the year before she passed away. And the um, same grandma that's <laughs> caught a deer from her grandson's bedroom window. Yeah, when she he shot was like it through infant. the window when he was in, like, in, nice. in the crib. I love my grandma. Um, she looked out the window and saw it and was like, no, I got this bad boy. Someone get me my gun. <laughs> she uh, she was my favorite person. But uh, although racist is all get out. Um, well, at the same, you know, again, as this show has as this yeah. show has recently shown, yeah. two sides to everything. <laughs> yeah, from the south, uh, although lived in Ohio. Anyway, but she wow. also did the medicinal, the quote unquote medicinal thing of like every time she had um, an ache or um, sinus problems or a toothache, she had the bu- the the Buffalo Trace ready, and then also the old granddad. I knew what the old granddad bottle looked like from a very early age when <laughs> Grandma visited. <laughs> The, old grandma in, the lush in the south <laughs> despite any let's say puritanical uh, objections they may have towards alcohol in some counties mm-hmm. uh, you know or being dry or wet right. everywhere has somewhere where someone has an old folk remedy about yeah using a shot of whiskey you know and, it's that episode of west wing when they have a uh, lord john marbury there yeah. saying like oh yeah some I understand a bit of a ginger root and chai will, uh, in a strong sort of whiskey, will uh, help with that that uh, cold. But it's not yeah, even. So, uh, no one was trying to get drunk, is the thing. My grandma, no, yeah, my no. grandma was not about getting wasted necessarily. Well, it's just for some reason that's the bourbon no. is what they turned to 
and they would ha- just just a shot. Appalachia, which is strongly, what is Appalachia? Strongly considered the culture of the South, is settled by the Scotch Irish, and in most counties or regions where they settled, one of the very first structures built, besides a schoolhouse or a courthouse, was a distillery. Yeah, yeah. Also, not mentioned in what I have here, uh, there was a noted uh, Covington, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, uh, a doctor who was just handing out prescriptions left and right. Our current I can't recall somewhere. his name off the top he of my head. But I... hmm? He stayed in business. Business. Yeah. Business was a booming. <laughs> goes back to, uh, I, I watched a, a marijuana documentary not too long ago, and it was, you know, this marijuana convention. Uh, they were having a competition of the best best weed. <laughs> and um, yes. one of the, there was an MD there who was, I mean, his business was basically, to hand out medical marijuana licenses or prescriptions. And they interviewed him, and, and he said, well, high, appeared to be high. Um, they asked him, have you ever turned anybody down for a prescription? And his response was very calculated in the fact that he said, everybody that comes to me has needed a marijuana prescription. So uh, <laughs> that worked out quite well. I'm just thinking of the, the, the former libertarian uh, uh, candidate for president. Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson, who needed one, one less hit on the vape pen every time he went on TV. Yeah. Let's instead talk about um, how you could make your own wine under oh, prohibition. Yes. Yeah. Uh, under the Volstead Act and other provisions, uh, it was it was illegal for the head of the household to allow uh, to produce two hundred <laughs> gallons of fermented juice. A year. Still is <laughs> what you're allowed to do as a uh, as a household under uh, brewing reg- regulations. Yeah. Oh my so God. that was for primarily for cider people. Oh, that um, was legal. You said illegal. It looks like it was legal. No, no, yeah, okay. I was trying legal. to say legal. Sorry. Legal. I don't know if something happened. To, yeah, legal. Okay, it was based legal on for that. Them to make. So you could make your own wine, essentially. You could make your you, you could make your own. It was meant to mean you could make your own cider because a lot of farmers mm, right. didn't want to give okay. up their cider. Apples, right? Uh, which uh, there's a there's a thing in the last call book where it talks about how uh, John Chapman or uh, Johnny Appleseed mm. uh, spread his apples from you know all over. They were not edible, but no. they made they there made was, darn good cider. They were cider apples. That <laughs> so is what another 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 tangent. Um, apple varieties are very much like hop varieties. That whenever you plant an apple seed, the genetic material of that seed, if you were to just go out to, and buy a Granny Smith apple or something like that and plant it in the ground, it will not produce a Granny Smith apple tree. It'll produce a tree that has different properties altogether. Um, and so, whenever you plant seeds across the nation, you're planting whatever genetic differences that come up in each of those seeds will will pop up. Hmm. Man, genetics are uh, fascinating. All, all apple trees out there are basically, it's my understanding, they're basically cut from, you know, if you've got a specific variety of an apple tree, it's cut from another, like you would take a branch off another apple tree and create a totally different rootstock from from that. You would you would create the rootstock and then put that on hmm. top of it. Hmm. So, yeah. you well, That way you can also, one more thing, um, you can also create an apple tree that has... 16 17 different varieties of apples that grow on the same tree Ooh. by with each branch you just put a different type of um plant material if you took one from a granny smith apple and one from a mm. red delicious apple you could have all these different apples coming off the same tree mm. sweet that sounds pretty cool yeah. so i will say back on back off tangents um uh, Brittany was right uh 
that uh, instead of just being for cider, uh, there was a rush on grapes. Sure. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, and when winemakers had first heard about uh, pro- when f- new prohibition was going to become law, they basically gave up. <laughs> yeah, they got rid of their their gra- their grape productions. That's why you don't have that many old variety grapes from in- that period in the yeah, from in that the period. US. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they had given up entirely, um, figuring there was going to be no need for them. Uh, but because of that, uh, they tried to have to push stuff out into overdrive, trying to like, no, grow everything. Apparently the demand's super high because people <laughs> realized they could make their own homemade wine. Um, it took a little bit of time, uh, and it also took them just giving up on like the, the special you know, grapes you used for wine. Right. They started using a grape variety called, uh, and I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, Alicante? Uh, why not? Uh, sure. It was uh, uh, it was the most it was the most common one they would use. It made terrible wine, but it could survive shipping from coast to coast, and they could grow a lot of it. Hmm. Um, so, how much wine do you think was being made? Just off the top of your head, <laughs> lots. No clue. <laughs> I'm willing to bet during Prohibition we hit pre like we were way above pre-prohibition levels of so wine. So in 1917, just before prohibition was made law, Americans drank 70 million gallons between domestic, imported, and homemade wine. Wow. Jesus. That's 1917. That's before everything. In 1925, they drank 150 million gallons of homemade <laughs> wine. Again, it goes back to that principle of, like, you take the stuff away, people want it more. It's just absurd. It's just absurd. People were stealing other people's grapes. <laughs> it was it was a massive problem. It's an interesting time. Uh, now, of course, if you wanted to go out, you could just go to one of the many speakeasies around the country. Now, they were called different things depending on where you went, uh, but there was always something to drink. In Harlem, private apartments were turned into, quote, hooch joints or, uh, quote, beer flats, flats. uh, where any African-American in it could enter, but no white person could. You know, that makes me want to, like, I'm going to attribute the Harlem Renaissance to Prohibition. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's it's, it's quite one-to-one, but... may not be, but it was still around the same time period, and what else makes you more creative than a little bit of alcohol? True. Well, uh, the reason they wouldn't allow white people in was because there's too big a chance of them being a revenuer. That's fair. Uh, because I mean, the Prohibition Revenue was, uh, Prohibition Bureau was entirely white. Uh, also, uh, Italian rooming houses, uh, rooming house proprietors in Federal Hill and Providence invited non-residents into their parlors where they could uh, purchase platefuls of pasta accompanied by bottles of homemade wine and grappa. In fact, food historians attribute America's love of Italian food uh, to places like this popping up from Boston to San Francisco. God, I want pasta. <laughs> That's on my order list for tonight. Like, this sounds amazing. So, yeah, like the 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 number of legal and semi-illegal ways around it, because here's the other thing. You could make 200 gallons of wine. Maybe you didn't even drink. You could sell that. Eh. You could, illegally. You could sell it. I mean, yeah, but, like, you could make it of your own. And then it's like, oh, right. I have all this extra. No one's, like, coming into a person's house to check if they're selling wine. No, no, no not, not. 
Not unless you're huge in the business. And yeah. probably nobody's coming to check, are you making only 200 gallons unless you're like slapping a brand name on the outside of it to sell. Yeah. Yeah, no, this, I, I, I part of me just loves this part of it. There was also like, there's, there's the, the, I don't know how accurate it is, but there were like, uh, there's the urban legend that, uh, 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 Bottles of like Welch's grape juice or things like that had labels on them that said, do not under any circumstances put this in um, a oh, cold, right. dark. Yes. They laid out the instructions on how to ferment grape juice or grape juice concentrate bricks into wine. Mm-hmm. It's like when they're like, yeah. this is like, don't do this, but you could totally make a bomb this way. You know what I mean? Like- exactly. <laughs> right. Oh. All right. Uh, New York was famous for its speakeasies. But none were more famous than the Twenty One Club. Uh, Disney even has like a play on words for this. I don't was going to say that sounds like an awfully familiar name. Yeah, they have it's like the a, one. they have, have uh, a highly exclusive club. It's literally like someone has to die and bequeath oh, a that's membership. Right, that's right. We talked about this in the show. Club Thirty Three. Disney yes. Club Thirty Three. Or no? Yeah, it is Twenty One Royal Restaurant. I think the club is Thirty Three. It's Club 33. No, no, Club I just know that yeah. like, we talked about how people who are in Disney movies can't get in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's people currently even in Disney movies can't get into these. It's a five-star restaurant in Disneyland. Can we, can we plan at some point a Disney vacation for us? To we have to. around the world. Yeah, we know. Yeah. We need to. That's a real thing. Hmm. We're, we're Disney kids. Like some, somewhere in the fall, like when, when prices are low. And no, that's. There. No, October is the time to that's, go. No, we will Food tell you. Food and Wine you, Festival. Uh. End of September, my- beginning of October is Food and Wine Festival when they double the number of countries in oh. Epcot and they double the amount of alcohol available. And food, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Time to be there. Scotland's finally represented then. Yes. Haggis. Uh, mm-hmm. The 21 Club opened on January 1st, 1930. The founders... I looked at his name and I almost wanted to just go, Jack Kirby! <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just what... Wants no, to- no, not... You said the Jack not, and the K. Uh, <laughs> Jack Kirby. No, wait. No, no. That's not right. Uh, Jack Krindler. Krindler. No. Krindler. And uh, Charlie Burns had been running illegal speakeasies for years, but grew tired of short-term leases and bribes. Uh, no one wanted to rent to them an illegal operation for too long. So the they settled into a building... And rigged up systems to make them rapid proof. Raid proof. Raid proof. Oh, raid proof. Sorry. We've been drinking, kids. A little bit. (laughs) You'll find out why at the end of this. Uh, They could press a button and send the entire contents of the back bar down a a shaft and shatter on a series of metal grates below and onto a pile of rocks in the basement. The liquid would drain off, only leaving the odor, which was not enough for an arrest. So these Can't are arrest just because of a smell. Mm. Gotta have proof. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of old movies and newsreels yeah. would show these as the shelves that were on a hinge system. And this is the place that you think of when you think of like the speakeasies. Like, yeah. like the revenues are coming and they hit a button and everything just drops. Like out. a phone booth turns around and like this whole thing. It's but like, it's just yeah. it's heartbreaking to think about that. Like the All that shelves waste and yeah. it's. It would be. Think about we'll your favorite. About, think about your favorite bar talk. with all the bottles on display behind the bar, and they have to slam a button, and all those bottles drop to it to their death. They are gone. All that alcohol just flushed away. Yeah. We are going to talk about why that is not the case in a little bit, but mm-hmm. let's just okay. let's just move on for now. 
Speakeasies did represent a massive shift in the drinking habits of Americans at the time. Women were actually in drinking establishments to drink. This is a massive departure from how things had been. Typically, you would only see women at some sort of bar if they were working. Uh, working there as a barmaid or some older profession. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was a it was too good of a pun. It was too good of a reference. Uh, I think that's a good place to go ahead and probably promote uh, Adam ruins everything with the how women how prostitution yeah, yeah. The, the West settled the West yeah, yeah. that was a yeah. really good episode no it's an awesome episode go check it out on YouTube Prohibition brought the women out to get them to drink they catered to them <laughs> many speakeasies were set up as restaurants specifically to attract women just as many restaurants became speaks to avoid losing business to the newcomers newcomers should that be revenueers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know. it kind of works out that way. There was an entertainment at these speakeasies, jazz bands. You know, that kind of harkens me to, I guess, it is almost at the period. Uh, Man in the High Castle. It, it just took me a second to come to me. Uh, jazz is outlawed. And the only place. Of course is- it is, because it's. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to say what <laughs> so the angry. reasoning they would have is. But, but yes, they speakeasies are still a thing in Man in the High Castle. And that's set in like an alternate uh, 60s, right? 50s or 60s? Either way, but uh, probably probably sixties uh, because if the, the I've not seen the show, but the conceit is that like Adolf Hitler yeah. is oh no, I'm, and he, I'm two seasons I, in, I'm like I'm right with it, and it's amazing. But jazz is outlawed the same, uh, well, not as the same as complete alcohol, but the speakeasies are very much associated with jazz music, so that it just lends it just like furthers on. So jazz band singers, dances, where you could dance the Charleston. (laughs) We're also, oh God, the Charleston. Whatever it took to bring in more of these ladies to add to the business, uh, even installing powder rooms for them. Another barrier being broken was racial integration. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just thinking like, like, oh, no, no. Once you put in bathrooms, you mean you know it's here to stay. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Integrated nightclubs and cabarets began to arise, usually in black neighborhoods. African-American jazz musicians would lead groups playing in clubs in these neighborhoods, uh, playing to sometimes all-white patrons. Other places were completely... It's a bizarre, in- form, of, it's a bizarre form of segregation, by the way. Yeah, it is really odd. Uh, other places were completely integrated, though. An African-American magazine, The Messenger, uh, had a piece uh, they ran saying... We see white and colored people mix freely. They dance together not only in the sense of being on the floor at the same time, but in the still more poignant and significant sense of white and colored people dancing as respective patrons or partners. This is sort of the beginning of more more of your urban areas uh, becoming more, let's say, liberal in their, their race politics. They... They weren't great. Uh, they they would still have, well that's 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 the black neighborhood. We don't go there, but this is the beginning of them starting to to moderate that. And they still haven't come up, you know, the full length. But it's it's early early good signs for for things to come, I guess. Yes, very much so. Yes. Um, okay. So there there was also some other noticeable changes from the saloon days, despite how powerful or harsh a drink might have been pre Volstead. Uh, you knew it came from experienced distillers who knew what they were doing. In the era of Prohibition, you couldn't trust what was on the bottle or who bottled it. 
Speakeasy liquor could have been anything from single malt scotch muggled by smuggled, smuggled. smuggled. Sorry, that's a, that's a typo. You know, I'm gonna say muggled. I think muggled. I like it better. <laughs> no, no, it's smuggled. It, uh, I don't know anything about Harry Potter to know if that makes sense. Smuggled by way of uh, Nassau, Nassau, Nassau mm-hmm. to uh, Nassau, Nassau. Nassau. Oh, Nassau. Uh, okay. Yep. I've never seen it spelled. Uh, Nassau to diluted embalming fluid. Yeah. yeah. So so when you were saying like, oh, it's a shame to see all that liquor get destroyed. No. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Probably so, not. <laughs> there was some smuggling going on the last time I was in Nassau, to be fair. <laughs> now, I will say. Jinko jeans are good for a few things. <laughs> God. Oh my literally smuggled a pant load of alcohol through customs. Customs being a large man with a fully automatic gun wearing complete fatigues staring me down knowing I've got like a 24 pack strapped around my belt and in all the pockets. Also, can we talk about like Jinko jeans? Because I remember their shorts being basically pants. It was the only time I could wear shorts. Right. Because they weren't, yeah, they were men for someone much larger like than anyone uh, ever. Now, I, what I was going to say was that... Um, uh, uh, this also was the time that the beginning of the uh, the the cruise experience, the drinking mm. cruise, became oh, a thing. Because international yes. waters, yeah, you could drink in international waters. So people would ships would come in from out of the U.S., pick up people, and then take them back out, and they could drink to their heart's content for X amount of time. Which, uh, as a result, like once prohibition ended, they were just like, "That's oh, screw it. We're still just can't keep." Keep yeah. the cruise industry. We'll we just, just... want to cruise. <laughs> um, I think that's about the time then. That makes sense. That's the thing that triggered um, in kind of the fashion and beauty industry of not being pale anymore. Because mm. before it yeah, was associated with people who worked in the field. It was associated with like a lower class. Yeah, it, it was a it's, a. it's a thing that if you're previously if you had been super pale it meant you didn't have to work and therefore you were wealthy and therefore more desirable whereas when the cruise thing started happening people went on vacations basically you know to to exotic locations and such so they would get um tanned and so that that whole that like the fashion of the time had that significantly changed all of that as well and so being really tanned meant that you were therefore wealthier and could afford to go on vacation. You had, you had nothing to do with your day but tan. Yeah. Soak in that vitamin D. So that's kind of interesting what prohibition kind of caused in other places. Is um, So yeah, good actual liquor was hard to find. <laughs> and if the people were willing to break the law to sell it to you, they would prob- they probably wouldn't mind lying to you to sell whatever they had on hand. Um, sometimes it was as harmless putting a high-priced label on some cheaper stuff. Um, other times, they'd color wood alcohol and call it scotch. Oh, yeah. Yum. Yeah. The bad days. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It just sounds like... Oh, God. It Specifically, it being scotch just makes me go, you monsters. Right. This is where the whole thing of, you know, bad whiskey can make you go blind comes from. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, but the so the upside, I guess, kind of, is uh, this did bring about the new invention of the cocktail. 
um, which we, you know, discussed on a, a few episodes. Very um, drunkenly. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like now. There had been uh, mixed whiskey drinks before and the martini, but changing the styles of the time plus the lower quality liquor required something to help it go down. <laughs> so uh, mixers to hide the taste of terrible, quote, gin uh, were very common. In fact, gin itself saw an increase in popularity and usage. It was available everywhere, though whether it was true gin is up for debate. <laughs> Um, quote, before Prohibition, gin went into martinis and negros, uh, said Fortune magazine. Uh, now, even the elite were ready to drink it. Um, quinine. So sorry, you were the one that had to read that. Oh, yeah. Uh, quinine, <laughs> that's what, hence the quotes, kids. Uh, yeah, no, I just picture that being said by like, um. And I said negros instead of negros. We're going to stick with negros. Negros sounds, sounds much, so, much better. Sounds but so I'm just better. picturing like, uh, uh. Okay, this is going to make me seem... Uh, anyone else watch Downton Abbey but me for the first couple seasons? We did not, no. Okay, it just makes me think of the old mother in the show, though. Just saying that, oh, no. Jen is only for for martinis and... Yeah, well, it probably yeah. just like, um, what's her face? No, I can't remember her real name. Never mind. Because I just want to say Professor McGonagall, but you didn't watch Harry Potter, so it doesn't matter. Nope. Um, <laughs> I can say that it's not going to help me. Yeah, Maggie Smith, sorry. Um, okay, uh, quinine water and ginger ale found its way into gins and rye whiskeys for the same reason, uh, to hide the odd chemical smells from these manufactured alcohols, which is Lovely. just great. Um, yeah. So how did Prohibition stay on the books for so long if it didn't seem to be doing much more than marginally dropping alcohol consumption at the price of escalating the crime rate? Prim- well, let me point out that there was, in fact, a drop and the the measured amount of of alcohol consumption during prohibition hmm. that it did in fact marginally do what it set out to do right but at the same More time people drank less i wonder how official some of their numbers may have been too uh, that's that's up for debate but. yeah um so primarily by the might of wayne wheeler as we discussed before and the asl one of their main ways of keeping it in play, despite the new president, Calvin Coolidge, not really caring about it one way or the other, was... Can I the... talk about, real quick, Yeah, Calvin Coolidge just being the most don't-give-a-crap yeah. president ever? There's a reason his name, you're kind of like, I don't really recall a lot oh, about Oh, right, him. he was a president. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, my favorite story involving Calvin Coolidge, I will tell any opportunity I get a chance to, Now's is a is a reporter was told to say, uh, try to get, was talking to him and he's like, he'd been trying all night. And finally, after hours of trying to get this man to talk, uh, who, by the way, Calvin Coolidge's nickname was silent cow. Uh, <laughs> finally the, the, the reporter gave up and was like, all right, look, I have been trying all night to get you to say more than two words. I, I have a bet that if you say more than two words, I win. And he just looks at the man and goes, you lose. <laughs> wow jesus yeah no that that was the man that he became president due to death but uh oh yeah but also he won his own re-election because the economy was doing great yeah under calvin coolidge and his hands-off Apathy. approach to governing <laughs> yeah until yeah so um so him not caring and the suppression of the immigrant and urban vote is what did this. Uh, it also it had always been a successful tactic for them to decry the immigrants as the root of 
all their evils and woes, but they were growing at an alarming rate. They knew that under the Constitution, the House's districts are based on population, citizen or not. This- That's an interesting thing that I, w- I I constantly forget is that it's based on right. population of the country, not citizen count. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, you have to stop and think about that for a second. Um, this did not sit well with the dries. Uh, yeah, that's what they're called, and yeah, it's grammatically that's fantastic. horrifying. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they knew that the maps were due to be redrawn in the tw- 1920 census, which is why they pushed so hard for the amendment before then. They would have a very different playing field if they had tried after redrawing all the districts. So a number of laws and provisions were passed. Okay. Take a deep breath. This is this is where I become a, become furiously angry take a deep breath i'm gonna need you to just go ahead and breathe in your nose come on with me exhale slowly okay okay so first of all uh they delayed uh any reappropriation bill from 1921 to 1928 a census was held but they just kept putting off doing anything about it Sure. They also passed the Immigration Restriction Act of 1924, which pushed for harsh limits on immigrants allowed into the country. So now annual quotas were based on the number of people in the country from that country currently living in the U.S. Uh, by currently, I mean by the 1980s, uh, by the 1890 census. Jesus. They just ignored an entire decade. Jeez. <laughs> This act removed 4 million Italians, 2 million Eastern European Jews, 1.5 million Polish Catholics, and millions of other Slavs, Greeks, Hungarians, and Romanians, and other, quote, non-Nordic races, uh, whose forebears did not have the uh, foresight to be bo- uh, reach America before, 19, uh, before 1890. Jeez. God. Yeah. No, they, for, for a sense of perspective... Detroit, like, doubled or more their population during this time. They had to hold they, – they were trying to have the same number of representatives hold the same number of people uh, as, like, ten different – like, basically the entire state of um, – I want to say, like, Wyoming or someone. Jeez. That's crazy. This was all happening during the golden age of the KKK because, yeah, there was a golden age for those dicks. Um, yeah. Uh, but their their reach was actually throughout the entire country. Their their focus on that t- point was Catholics and Jews and other quote inferior races, mm. uh, who had too much power in their eyes. Uh, they uh, they had more members in Connecticut than there were in the uh, in the KKK than there were in the entire South. Oh my god! You don't even think of that. No, like you never uh, they, realized it was so far beyond the South. Yeah. During this period of time, yeah, that was, like I said, it, it was a... Uh, anyway, they raised money during this time for the ASL, and they helped back anyone who supported immigration restriction. Uh, it reported the, the Immigration Restriction Act, which I think only, um, I want to say, six congressmen voted against. <laughs> Wow. You would th- uh, like I think they were the the in the last call they made the quote of like you would think that they were <sighs> voting like pro motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> goodness! Oh my god, this makes me so angry that they 
that one, not only they did just completely ignore a census result so they can make sure they kept political power. I could kind of be okay with them like pushing it to make sure that they 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 could get it in under the wire, but to, to ignore it for a decade so they no one could you know undo it drives me up the wall. Yeah. Plus, uh, <laughs> oh, God, sorry, I'm just I'm breathe. too angry right now. Breathe. Breathe, breathe in your nose, out your mouth, slowly. But you have a right. Plus to be the angry. fact no one knows about this. Mm. That no one like under like no one actually realized like oh yeah no we just didn't really count a census for for a decade it's fine they didn't they didn't do anything about it until 1929 and then uh, and then the 1932 was the first election that had anything to do with the new the new map. Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <sighs> See, I'm not the only one who has to take some deep breaths during this. Yeah, yeah. So, 40 years? They 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 were basically pretending it was it was that long ago, yeah. That's nuts. So they just because put a they hold. knew they, they knew at the time that the divide between dry and wet was primarily an urban and rural thing. The the rural areas would t- typically vote for dry measures and urban areas where there were more immigrants would vote for wet areas so they made sure that made sure that the the urban districts didn't get too much control so i'm gonna make some stretches on this because we see some of these same issues coming forth today Mm -hmm. but also at the time you saw it as the rural areas it kind of i want to say it was a you could put a thou doth protest too much on this because in the rural areas you had moonshine. I'm throwing up the air quotes. You can't see them. You could produce it yourself and no one know about it. You could mm-hmm. still have access to it and still go in public and say, oh, alcohol's the devil and it's ruining everything and go home to your pot still where you're still producing so much for yourself and getting oh, you uh, and- uh, A large part of the, the, the ASL-supported members of, of Congress were privately very wet but publicly had to be dry. Uh, Warren G. Harding got elected because of the ASL. Man drank like a fish, but they didn't care because he pushed their laws. Thank yeah, you, Ohio. It's, the whole thing seems to fall along those lines because you kind of see it still a little bit today, not as much. But like the urban areas, you... Oh, I mean, the last election had kind of a rural-urban divide. Oh, yeah, it very much did. But, I mean, it's... <sighs> When it came to this particular issue at the time, the urban areas, it was extremely more difficult to produce alcohol in an urban area as opposed to a rural one where you have the land and the means to do it, like to provide all the resources yourself, whereas in an you urban one, you have to source it. Or at the very least, hide the things that you were doing. Yes. Uh, for, example, for example, my grandfather was not a moonshiner. He did, however, grow ginseng, which is legal, but expensive and people would steal it and so you could in in our case in eastern kentucky could just go out into the back in the mountains of his property and just plant it and hide it and then come out some period later and go all right let's drop off some ginseng so i can make some money whereas from those activities today you get the ginsengers who are going out like people did it so frequently at that time period there's just these large caches now of ginseng out in the mountains that you have people that go out and harvest, just like go out searching 
to harvest it and sell it now because there are these mm. long forgotten patches. Well, ginseng is naturally occurring too. It I mean, is. It is. it's not illegal. I'm just saying, like that is a an example of like a a. It's it's costly for some people to it, it's it's value over the amount of effort I guess it takes to grow it is is yes yes, yes. but you can still and find wild, these patches. Wild ginseng grows. Um, it, it's much more expensive than the the cultivated ginseng. Yes. Um, it's got so many more times the potent chemicals that are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it's wild grown and basically the only time it's ever touched by a human is you put the seed when you, you, you pick out the ginseng previously, you take the seed from that plant and poke it into the ground. Uh, that's the only time you touch it and you just come back later in three, usually three to five years. I kind of want to go out into my parents' backyard, which is now technically their property after my grandfather passed is just to go out and go, all right. So what's ginseng look like and what I need to harvest? <laughs> Given that your it's, grandfather grew it, it's probably all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. And there's probably now the illegal part of it comes in when you've got individuals that are not uh, tied to your property that you haven't given permission to that are back there harvesting it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That there, is very likely. There was a reason Grandpa had a uh, barbed wire fence up in the hills and it wasn't just to keep, it, keep in his cattle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. We, we've... We've gone on long enough, and I've calmed down enough. Let's let's move on to the next. All right. So what are the breweries doing during this time? Um, exactly what you're thinking. They closed. Almost <laughs> no breweries from pro- before Prohibition could stay open, with their main product being declared illegal. Those that managed to stay open had to adapt and find new ways to, lo- to keep the lights on. Uh, Coors decided to switch to making ceramics, like you do. <laughs> they still do, actually, under a business called Coors Tech. And it makes more money than their beer production. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Quite interesting. Yeah. No, Coors makes more money making their ceramic material now than they do. That's not that. Yeah. It's in a a Forbes article, but. Makes sense. Um, Anheuser-Busch had to switch to non-alcoholic products like malt beverages, Bevo or soda, or even making truck bodies to sell. Yingling's famously switched over to dairy production and ice cream that didn't stop until the 1980s. And actually there's a, a different division of Yingling currently that does the uh, yeah, they, they started it back up, didn't they? Yep, they revived yep. it. Yeah, yeah, they, they stopped Yingling around like 1989, 1990 something, I think. But Pabst decided to switch to making cheese. Most of them tried to stay close to what they knew how to make so that the day the amendment got repealed, it would be a quick switch back over. What you get here in, in most of these places, you'll find that the equipment for making a malt beverage is identical to making uh, a malt beverage that's alcoholic is identical to making one that's non-alcoholic. Um, it, making dairy-type products, it's the same exact tanks, and even you can find old dairy tanks to turn into your beer brewery. So uh, very similar production types. Yeah, it, it's why you. it sounds weird that like Paps was making cheese and Yingling was making dairy and but, ice cream, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it makes sense. The same other thing true. is that a lot of some places were doing stuff like selling refrigerator space. Yes, mm. those places closed and got bought out by by AB InBev. <laughs> sure, laundering sellers would be good for such things at the time as well. And didn't we? Um, if you watch the video episodes, didn't Sierra Nevada? Wasn't that how they got started? Is they bought up a bunch of old dairy equipment? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, it's uh, you get the Frankenbrew systems. Yeah, all good or bad in this case, things must end though, and Prohibition's days were numbered. 
Calvin Coolidge and the physical pain that spending government money caused him was not a good sign. The Prohibition Bureau saw a budget cut in 1926 during a spectacular economic boom. Wayne Wheeler, dying in 1927, was not a boon to eat the cause either. <laughs> he had been instrumental in keeping everything going so long that the ASL couldn't find anyone of his caliber to replace him. However, there was still an amendment on the record, and short of repealing it, there was little that could be done about it. The Volstead Act, however, could be changed and amended. They just needed a political resource to do it. There was a thought amongst the people in 1924 during the Democratic Party convention, however, as Franklin Delano Roosevelt said to guest speaker William Jennings Bryant about hopefully idiots who think the Democratic platform will repeal the 18th Amendment. <laughs> yeah, um, two, two quick things. One, uh, FDR, when the day before Prohibition ended, was like out drinking champagne with his... Yale or whoever, whatever Ivy League school he graduated from, he was drinking with his, you know, his school buddies, champagne. It's like, well, last we'll have of this. And uh, William Jennings Bryant, super dry. Like, outside of, you know, failing to run for president four times, uh, uh, he, you know, the, 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 the Hillary Clinton of his, uh, of the Democratic Party in the 18th, <laughs> in the 19th century. Um, he uh very famously dry was not about uh, to endorse any idea they're like oh yeah no we're, we're gonna repeal the 18th amendment so all they got was a convention in new york city Bryant, <laughs> very very drunken convention <laughs> bryant being very very fervent fervent proponent of prohibition so it shouldn't have surprised anyone he didn't repeal didn't happen like you said um and it being New York City in 1924, no one should have been surprised that the Democrats at the convention were found staggering out of illegal establishments. It was not a good election year for the Democrats. No. <laughs> no. That's kind of funny, not, not a huge wonder why, uh, why Hubert, or Her Herbert Hoover uh, got elected. Uh, but it would eventually take, a, uh, take the Great Depression to end Prohibition. Uh, the Depression shook up the entire American political landscape and ousted Herbert Hoover in favor of Franklin D. Roosevelt. Uh, Roosevelt knew that they needed to start getting jobs back, and so uh, maybe not first thing out of the gate, but he did uh, start ordering an amendment to the Volstead Act to allow beer under 3.2% ABV to be produced and sold. Why does that number sound familiar? Hmm. Utah. Ba -ba -bum. Uh Ugh, pardon me. Um, Roosevelt said uh, at the time of the signing, I think this would be a good time for a beer. <laughs> it's not my best Roosevelt, but, you know, give it. Uh, it's, it's. I don't it's have fair. a good FDR impersonation. Mm. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself and polio. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that got really dark. I'm sorry. I've been drinking oh. a very high ABV beer the last few minutes. Oh, so have I. I think it's the same one. Uh, anyway, a after that point, the bar start the ball started rolling. In, uh, let's try that again. Let's pause for a second. Take two. The ball started rolling, uh, bef and before long, the Twenty First Amendment came before Congress in 1933, and it eventually passed a vote. 
Once that, it spread around the state legislature for approval, and it was on December 5th at 3.55 in the afternoon in 1933 that Utah became the 36th state to ratify the amendment and end national prohibition. Damn it, Utah. Utah. I take it all back, baby. <laughs> Can we go to Nerdtacular just going like, Utah, you ended our national tragedy. <laughs> they were the last. Uh, no, they oh, were the 36. 36th. There were, there were other states that came after yes. them. And that was what it the, took to just yeah. put them over and the, 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 the The Mormons, the Church of the Latter Day Saints, did actively uh, uh, campaign. Uh, campaign against it. Thank you. Uh, against so, prohibition, or against prohibition? Yeah, okay. uh, against repealing Repeal prohibition. prohibition. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were pro <laughs> prohibition. Gotcha. Yeah. Making sure that's clear. Mitt, that's Mitt Romney <laughs> does not knock back a few. No, it not at all. I don't think you would. No. <laughs> or his his, what is it? Ninety seven kids. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Roughly. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I don't know how many Romneys there are. Bunch of Romneys. Um, I I know like eighty percent of them are male, right? I don't know. Something like that. Uh, <laughs> never mind. I'm not getting into that argument right now. Uh. Now the now the states had a right to allow prohibition laws in, uh, in their own laws. Uh, many places still do. Uh, the liquor laws in the U.S. and the various U.S. states are a confusing mess that change from county to county. Yeah. Uh, in some states, which we know all too well. Look yes. back uh, home. I am blessed to be from a wet county. Yeah, we were a wet county. Uh, Casey was was was. Um, what county? Most. No, no. What county was it that we went to school in? Oh, uh, that was definitely a dry county. Pike. Yeah. No. Pike I'm just saying, County been... is wet. Not. Or not. no, Pike County is dry. Pikeville is any wet. Alcoholic beverages. That's how ours is. What was the adjacent? Because we had to go all the way to Hazard to get to get uh, alcohol. It was either uh, Perry County or we would go to Floyd County. Both of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Perry uh, County is where Hazard is. Okay. Uh, county line liquor stores. See, mine that is, was, yeah, uh... that is the the, the gr- okay. Growing up in a a quote moist county where you could buy liquor but not on sundays and not on not you know, in a restaurant usually is what the moist 30 meant. days half september august june <laughs> and no liquor never never on election day yeah. never on election day which is which was hilarious when i was a bartender because uh, in lexington you would see people come in and go like you can serve alcohol today yeah <laughs> why the Amazing. hell not <laughs> yeah Prohibition's over. To this day, the county I am from is still dry, but the city that I was was closest to me, rather, is wet now. Yeah, but that was never the case. Which was always super weird because it's that 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 the city is wet, but the county is dry. Yet the city still has no real like they've like two Uh, restaurants that you can really buy alcohol in and enjoy. What else is there in that county? Uh, No, there is. They were one of the first nine cities to. to actually allow alcohol sales on on a, and it's um, still not doing well for them because they're not <laughs> taking advantage of it like they should be. They're not. No. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm thinking back to like high school and when <sighs> it's a different personal thing. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Our our own personal experience with the dry wet thing is is I always find hilarious because like when I growing up I was like what why are there places that you can sell alcohol, but places that you can't? I don't, yeah. I don't understand the reasoning here. 
Nor does anyone. Yeah, uh, not really. Uh, anyway, uh, many of those laws are getting removed only recently, and uh, others seem like they won't ever be repealed. Uh, however, the changes to society and the effects on the national uh, prohibition has put on the country are still being felt. We have only recently reached the numbers of breweries uh, nationwide that we had prior to prohibition. Actually, we've exceeded it now, yes, right? Yes, we've already uh, quite well, twenty-five percent over what we had. Yeah, we've greatly exceeded it. Like our thirst is just like we are. Just like no, this train has no brakes. <laughs> However, I will say because of Anhe- uh, because of prohibition, Anheuser Busch dominated the beer landscape post prohibition. Yep, because were- it was they 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 knew how and they were able to distribute nationally. Mm-hmm. They were and they uh, were quicker be- probably than everybody else. Yeah, and eventually, you know, Miller Coors was their 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 competition, but there weren't local beers anymore. Right. Well, uh, them and um, Yingling, I think, would be. It. Yeah, but like that's they, they weren't national. They still aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so there is no clean answer to how prohibition has affected us. There's, it's a messy sort of issue. And as it, uh, as it had consequences for the people that advocated it, that never seen coming, they could not have guessed the rise of Al Capone or any of the, the legal loopholes people would find. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could have guessed, but (laughs) basically we can only hope to learn from that period of our history and make sure we, we move forward. Indeed. And that's it. Um, I will say, like, there's... I was wondering, and I, I almost put it in the thing, but I was wondering, do you think that Anheuser-Busch's dominance, you know, of you know of the beer landscape, you know, and Miller Coors, uh, do you think that, that that helped make sure that the craft beer movement that we're experiencing now... Uh, happened that people were like no we have to make different shit than than what we have now yeah i mean i'm just yeah possibly i I feel because people were just happy to have beer back but then it took after a while you're just like okay well what else do you have (laughs) you know so that's yeah i think that that was a big thing because yeah nationally distributed everybody got to drink beer freely now but then what because it was it was it hasn't changed I feel people were just elated to have alcohol back in their lives. And it at the time, like, there's a brand loyalty thing, if you look at the period of time. So you had all these men who suddenly were having alcohol for, well, not the first time, legally for the first time. Yeah. And it was in an anheuser-busch product or you know the way the companies were at the time if Bush well, i mean and, in, 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 well, I, a budweiser like, or whatever yeah i'm just thinking of like like briefly as like as as our as you know our fathers had to experience it where we grew up yes they were in dry areas and they were you know dad found um what was it cores too hoppy right yeah, it's what you could get. So if you could get Budweiser or you could get Coors, you were you just Schlitz. Yeah, you were <laughs> Schlitz even. You were just so excited to have it. So to this day, like that brand name and everything just, you know, it rouses all these feelings from when you could get it as a youth. So that still probably rings true to this day even. Whereas yeah. we're extremely spoiled brats. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. That's a fact. 
as I as I twirl fact, like Agnes, Agatha, Germaine, and Jack. As I twirl my snifter of founders. Mm. Speaking of, I which. could have grabbed a snifter, but I've been I've been like primarily using the same same mug for all of my beers today. And okay, it's, that's fair. I think it's time we drop the bomb on this. Uh, drop the bomb on me on this month long endeavor of prohibition, <laughs> and we finally. Finally, talk about what we're drinking. I really do want real quick a if if please please email us and tell us whether you think we in if we started hardcore history into drunk history by the end of this 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 boozy train, or if if it's just you know no you you guys were fine throughout because we were not fine throughout. I mean slurring aside. The notes of it, the notes of things to edit, I can tell you that it went to, to drunk history by the end. I think this last episode she's got severe editing to do. I've got notes. I'm sorry, Brittany. I tried. I tried so hard. We started help. strong. We ended drunk. So yeah. what were we drinking? Drink with me, friend. All right, editor. All right. So what, what I'm going to do is the rapid fire situation. So I'm gonna I'm just going to read all three of mine, what I have here. And then kind of give my opinion, and then so we can move on. Because, <laughs> yes, um, there were three episodes, all recorded in one day, and we did three beers each, I think? No, I did four. Okay, some of us did more. That's fine. Technically, um, I did five. Mine were so high, I kept it limited. Yeah. Okay, so number one, Opal from Firestone Walker. It's a farmhouse ale slash dry hopped saison. 7.5% ABV. Didn't have anything about IBUs. It's a sour, whatever. Rate beer score, 96 and 94. No, I support that. 96 overall, 94 for the style. I completely agree with this. Uh, quote, our interpretation of the rustic Wallonian, don't know what that says, Saison style is a harmonious blend of rustic grains, spicy yeast, and unique Sauvignon Blanc tones, inviting lemongrass and gooseberry meat, peppery spice, and fresh grain aromas. Spicy Belgian yeast create a complex yet dry and refreshing canvas with splashes of citrus and stone fruit with a bright tropical white wine finish. Hot bitterness is assertive yet harmonious, rounding out slightly tart and refreshing. I don't know for certain, but I'm going to bet uh, the Wallonian or Wallonian or however it's pronounced is a German probably style of the of the, the saison, probably dating back to Wallonian. weird German Some weird Bavarian king yeah. that we are unaware. But um, I will say, uh, pre-show, we were discussing whether or not that beer would be great for beer moses. It would have been. It, yes, it and will I'm be. And I'm sad we did not do it, and we should get another bottle in the future. and do it. Yes. Uh, okay, beer number two was Islander IPA from Coronado Brewing Company. Uh, Highlander? Islander. Islander. As in the islands. Uh, oh, so there can be more than one. There can. Yeah. Uh, 7% ABV. Everything that I had was 7. Uh, IBU 75. 92 overall, 89 for the style. Again, everything was pretty highly rated, actually. Um, brewery's description. Named after Coronado Island, our original IPA is a liquid expression of hometown pride. Centennial, Chinook, and Columbus hops combined to provide an explosive burst of piney bitterness and luscious notes of apricot, grapefruit, and mango that are sure to evoke imagery of swaying palms and sun-kissed shores. That is all correct. 
Um, <laughs> that is a real thing. That was very delicious. Finally, I just finished this. Um, this is beer number three called Squeeze Box. It is from a local Ohio brewery in Cincinnati called Urban Artifact. It's a sour or wild ale. It's um, 7.1% ABV. Uh, just said nothing about IBUs. Um, same thing for the rate beer score because it's not terribly old. Like it's it's a fairly new, um, fairly new brewery, let alone beer. But uh, the description is: it's a strawberry sour bomb ale brewed with strawberries, actual strawberries, not artificial flavor. Um, Bellows driven free. I don't know how to say it. Free read uh, chordal instruments have developed around the globe as part of traditional music. Um, this beer was made with three pounds per gallon of real strawberries. There you go, Casey. We yeah. had that last weekend, and Casey's like, "Oh, I think this is artificial." It no. definitely tastes it. Um, and then, uh, to See, be I didn't get that at honest, all. It tasted like fresh can, strawberries to me. You can you can put three pounds of fresh strawberries in there and still up the flavor with an artificial flavor in it. Oh and yeah. Not mention that it's still still completely okay. You can. I mean, not but, okay on my end, but, but you know, it's okay to say that right um and then of course wild cultures because it's a wild ale um lactobacillus and saccharomyces cerevisiae but the thing is to me i don't taste the artificial stuff i've had stuff that tastes very artificial on the fruit and um this tasted like fresh strawberries to me um Mm. maybe i just haven't had too many of the artificial versus fresh to compare but um so real quick um the opal from firestone walker was amazing it was a it would have been a good beer mosa drink. It is very refreshing. Um, you definitely get the lemon be- or lemongrass and some spices. Um, it's it's just a really good farmhouse. Um, yeah, I would recommend that to anybody. And it's just the regular opal because I, I guess they have a few different um, varieties of the opal. How uh, good of a farmhouse would you say it is? Can it hold <laughs> both uh, both horses and cows? It could. Potentially, yes. It was okay. very delightful. Yeah. Um, a nice way to start a fine, this gives away when we recorded, uh, Sunday Easter afternoon. Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, it's but like the, we rolled out of bed at 11 a.m. We're cracking open an opal. It, it, it's a good thing to start on, on any occasion, I think. Um, I mean, I, I like the farmhouse ale kind of saison. Um, that's my favorite thing. But uh, as far as the sours are concerned. Uh, the Islander IPA from Coronado was fantastic. There was a bit of like a tropical note to it, um, which I guess is a, probably from the hops used. Um, definitely like I get the grapefruit, a little bit of pineapple and the mango. Uh, very good. Um, and then the squeeze box is just fantastic. It's just the right amount of tart for a, uh, a wild ale. And then the strawberry taste is just kind of on point for me. Um, it is... And extremely enough, delightful. Yeah, it's, it's one of the few um, local ones I had today. The brewery I can't say enough about. Uh, they specialize in wild cultures. That everything is brewed that way. Even to my dismay, sometimes when they do a Remus bourbon barrel aged stout brewed with wild cultures, and then I have it, and I'm just like, oh god, I've had so many unintentionally soured barrel aged stouts, <laughs> yeah. and it tastes just like that. And then I just, in my head, it's just like, nope, that's wrong. Nope, nope, nope. So I had to drink a whole bomber of it because no one else would touch it. Yeah. And that's kind of turned me off to uh, wild-cultured stouts now. But everything else they've done, uh, they've really hit their mark. They they're, they specialize in the wild thing, and they're, they're pretty good at it for the most part. Yeah, yeah, when these fruited wilds, they found their calling with that. And it really helps 
that they're in an old 1800s church hmm. that they have renovated and turned into their brewery and tap room. And it is the Cincinnati Church of Beer. It is <laughs> it is the experience. But no, uh, their bottle releases that are tap room only have become this massive thing to be there for. And it's only extremely recently with the squeeze box that this has become the case. Hmm. Yeah. So, awesome. all right, moving on. Okay. Uh, I I may have had an extra beer. <laughs> may? Uh, yeah, no, I did. Between uh, you and Brittany, you, you both cover kind of what I was drinking. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I started out with the hard uh, hardwired nitro from mm. Left Hand Brewing, their coffee kind of, porter. Kind of a mother's milk situation on oh that one. God, oh. Right? <laughs> uh, 6.0 ABV. I uh, don't have any numbers in the IBUs, but it's a... Uh, 69 overall. And, oh, sorry, yeah. 96 overall and 98 for style. Yeah, I believe we all uh, went went on the high rating scale. Apparently, we're like prohibition. No, no, no we got to we'll, show we'll, that up. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But uh, the brewery's description is an innately uh, innately predisposed to be smooth when poured hard. This nitro coffee porter builds a pillowy toffee toffee sweet head coffee flavors and caramelized sugar and cacao and hints of blueberry into a light smoky finish oh mm. mm. <laughs> it's it's so good i i oh. do love this beer oh. uh, i i in fact had two during the recording oh yeah <laughs> so that doesn't really count then right like, <sighs> well, is... i mean i had two of them i had one in the beginning and then i had one just before like when we started this episode it's so good I cannot say enough. I, I bought a a lot of. I had a I had an un, I had a check in to Untapped not too long ago where I was like eh, it was okay, and I gave, I scored it fairly high, but I was trying it this time going like what was the matter with me? I bought a lot of it on a closeout at a liquor store around here that is infamous for their closeout deals. Like they sell things by the case for like eleven bucks. And I got a bunch of it that I'm still holding on to because at the time I was like, I'm not drinking all this now. There's no way I can get through it all. But then I was like, it's a coffee porter. It's going to keep for a while. It will. Uh, oh, my God. I, I loved this beer so much. Uh, now, the second beer I broke into was the Azaka. Oh, yeah. From, uh, Daddy from Founders like Brewery. It. An India Pale Ale, around 7% ABV, about 70 IBU. Uh, rate beer score of, uh, I believe, 64. Uh, sorry, I keep inverting my numbers. 94 overall and 92 to style. Uh, and it says, uh, the brewery description, named after the Haitian god of agriculture, the Azaka hops has an intense tropical aroma with hints of citrus and mango. Mm. A touch of caramel malt gives a sweet backbone to support the righteous fruit character. Mm. Of this beer, pouring a burnt orange color and registering at seventy percent. Uh, sorry, seven point zero percent ABV. Your taste buds will worship this heavenly hop delight. No, it was seventy percent ABV. I'd be dead. <laughs> no, that but beer. All the rest, that's correct though. That beer gets me like rock hard. So I, this is the first time I've had this beer. Oh, oh really? Had, they sell it in I, fifteen packs of cans. I've had it in my refrigerator for I don't know how long. Get it fresh. Oh, my God. I, I'm going to try to get it fresh now because it was still delicious. Like, maybe, 
Maybe the hop had dropped just a little bit in it, but not much. That's Next such a year, good IPA. you've got it. It's the yearly release. You have to get it the second you find it on shelves. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. Azaka hops, probably my favorite hops. Hmm. So, beer number three was the Hop Syndrome Pills Lager oh, yeah. from Epic Brewing. Hmm. Uh, I may have grabbed some of this in your attempt to empty your refrigerator. Yeah, the one that we pushed on you. Right, yes. <laughs> no, there's some other ones that I'm like really interested in trying out. Uh, this one uh, is a Pills Lager. Uh, it's about 4.5 ABV. We couldn't find anything on the IBUs. Uh, it is a 62 overall and 92 to style, Ooh. which I agree with. It's fine. Yeah, I've had it's, it. It's, it's, it's fine. It's okay, but it is a Pilsner. It's a it's 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 very pilsnery, but it's not. It doesn't bring anything to the table. That's not like, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing ever. Yeah, it's just kind of okay. I oh. think I rated like a three or a two point seven five on Untapped or something. There is a current. This is this is actually being covered in a lot of magazines right now. Beer Advocate is hosting a big discussion about this. This like national revolt against loggers. Hmm. Mm, yeah, I could see that. It's like, like people, no, no logger. The people are turning on the logger because you can't really be as inventive as yeah. you can with ales. You can't do as much with it. Casey has a sigh. Casey, would you like to comment? <laughs> ales definitely have. I, I think that's a. I think that has nothing to do with that whatsoever. I think it's the difficulty that you get when you're trying to make a logger. Your temperature control has to be much better. It's very difficult to make a logger. Um, they're mu- a much harder beer type to make, and uh, I think that ales definitely let you cover up more on that end. So those that are going anti-logger, um, I don't think it's because you can't be as creative or as inventive, because what a logger does is it allows you to um, get rid of some of the the flavors and aromas that you get from just the yeast that overpower it and let you bring in something else. If I, If I had a Budweiser and I wanted to bring in really nice, flowery, citrusy, uh, tropical fruits uh, types of hops, changing nothing else other than just the hops and bumping up the hops, I think that would be really tasty. Um, Bump the hops, pump it up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe a little bit more of the, the Pilsner, uh, Pilsner malt quality too. But, oh, uh, yeah. you know. No, like you, if, I'm, not, I'm just going to say, like, if this beer had been a little bit more I don't know how to say. I guess Pilsnery. I think it would have been amazing, but it was just sort of there, and it may have had something to do with what I was drinking around it. But it was still like not, not blowing me away. Sure, sure, Um, and that's that's definitely a that's something that's out there. But whenever you you make a lager, it's definitely a harder beer to make, and it takes more cash to build a facility that can brew lagers. No, I agree with that. It, it yeah. it's less like you're 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 revolting against like oh it's you you can't be creative. It's like it's harder to be creative, and when you succeed, it's a better yeah yeah you know, it's a better result. Like get over sometimes it. yeah absolutely. yeah. I think there I don't want to say conspiracy, but there is kind of a brewers who can't do good loggers maybe perpetuating this myth. Almost I mean, if you of, can't hang, bro, you better. <laughs> but there are a lot of breweries doing excellent loggers right now i mean it's there's no shortage of great loggers to get there's also no shortage of bad loggers to get yeah i will say when i was drinking this i kept thinking like man you know i wish i had was the big pills that braxton put out for 
Mm. The, the light. Yeah. The, uh, the big sis. Um, well, what did you finish I, off on? I finished off with one of my favorite beers. It's like, if I had to put a ranking, it's maybe number two with my great white buffalo being number one. Um, no, I, number four, I finished off with KBS, mm. the Kentucky breakfast stout from founders. It's an Imperial stout, 11.8 ABV, 70 IBUs and, uh, a hundred, uh, overall and a hundred to style for rate beer. Their description is what we've got here is an Imperial stout brewed with a massive amount of coffee and chocolates. And then cave-aged in oak bourbon barrels for an entire year to make sure wonderful bourbon undertones can come through to the end of the finish. Make sure your taste buds squeal with the light. Turns out they do. They do. God, <laughs> I love this beer. Like, it's been so long since I've had it, I can't accurately judge against last year's, but I was just like, oh my God, I miss this so much. I feel like it's better than before. Hmm. And it may just be where... where I haven't had it in a while, but man, I love KBS. No, it no, it is amazing, and it was one of my beers as well. But I had to check because I saw your check, like your thing of eleven point eight, and I was like, really that low? And I had to go check, and yeah, like it, they came in almost a full percent less than last year's release. Yeah, last year was like twelve point something. Yeah, so ABV was gonna, definitely dropped on this year's. I'm going to jump in there and say. They may not have been aware, or may, they may not have, they probably were aware. They may not have, the laws that were changing in like Ohio, they really probably wanted to distribute the beer there. If they came in at 11.8%, right. brewed it last year to 11.8% before they stored it in barrels, they may have had, um, you know, we can get this, even if the law doesn't go all the way through, we can still get this in, and sell it in Ohio. Yeah. No, I, I'm not throwing any blame or anything i just thought it was no 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 i'm not saying that at all i'm just saying like marketing wise on the brewery side if you can come in with a beer that's 11.9 percent you can sell it in a 12 percent or less market so oh yeah so yeah kbs amazing all right um i guess that's filtering into me uh any last impressions real quick justin uh just just that most of what I had today was delicious and I, I've loved every minute of them. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll have to plug in the ones here that I haven't already plugged in. So uh, me and Brittany started off splitting a bomber of the Firestone Opal, which again was a great way to start the morning. I, uh, I pushed that on everyone. Go ahead and start every Sunday morning <laughs> with an Opal. With a Saison, yeah. Uh, my beer number two was actually, this is the first time I'd had this one, and I was very pleasantly surprised. It's a Dogfish Head 120-minute IPA, uh, the Imperial India Pale Ale, as the bottle states. 16.5% uh, alcohol by volume as a 12-ouncer. Uh, as the bottle says, ages well. <laughs> At 16.5%, I would hope so. Is that a, an imperial or just a regular? Imperial. The one twenty is an imperial. Yeah, okay. the. That's what I figured. So, the bottle states the imperial. The. Mm. Just to make it more official, uh, also says what you have here is the holy grail for hopheads. This beer is continually hopped over a hundred and twenty minute boil 
and then dry hopped for over a month. Enjoy oh now God. or age for a decade or so. Oh, yeah. yeah Do it. Age so, it forever. I'm going to age some of these bad boys. That's definite. Um, after having one of these, I can't wait to share it with you guys next time we can have you up. Mm-hmm. This is amazing fresh. Love it. Um, yeah, I like any of the IPA ranges. Uh, I think they go too caramelly, too um, oxidized toward the end, and they lose that fresh hot flavor. So I like them fresh, even if you can't age them. Oh, this yeah, is I feel like so... that's, that's how... Uh, that's why they have, like, not them, but that's why I think Stone has their... their enjoy by right right oh yeah uh so the 120 minute ipa comes in on a rate beer overall of 99 and to style it gets a 97 and i don't know why it's not 100 out of 100 i mean i guess because of the alcohol content kind of drowns out some of the hop flavor that might be i'll wait after i've aged one a little while and see what happens but Wow, the um, just looking at rate beer, the ABV's gone down through the years. That's kind of interesting. It was at twenty one percent, then in two thousand nine it went down to eighteen, and now you're saying it's at sixteen. Sixteen five. Yeah, that's interesting. They've been charging more for it. <laughs> yeah, it was not cheap. Yeah, thirty five dollars a four pack. Woo. I mean, we're not paying just for ABV, guys. We're paying for flavor. We're paying we're going for to flavor pops. country. All yeah. right, um, and I rounded off on. Founders KBS, the 2017 Kentucky Breakfast Stout. Yeah. Fresh, nothing beats it. Uh, I actually had my first side-by-side last night, 2016 versus 2017. And as like the brewer notes they've recently released, they advise you to do it fresh. I say the same thing. Uh, I've got a ton of 2016 stored. It's not like it's ruined or anything. It was very boozy. The coffee falls out extremely, and you expect that. What sticks through is the barrel booziness and the chocolate. So it's a very sweet, boozy flavor. I don't know if another year is going to help it, but right now it is just extreme booze. You might as well just do a shot of whiskey. Yeah. I mean, maybe I want to do a shot of whiskey, but I also want to try that. (laughs) I mean, we all want to. But yeah, uh, Founders KBS... uh, Rate beer is 100 out of 100. <laughs> ABV this year, a little lower. Uh, again, I don't think that harms it at all. Fantastic. No. Uh, I like the rate beer description. A bit of backwoods pleasure. Without the banjo, this strong stout is brewed <laughs> with a hint of coffee, not just a hint, of coffee and vanilla, then aged in oak bourbon barrels. Our process ensures that a strong bourbon undertones come through in the finish in every batch we brew. We recommend decanting at room temperature and best enjoyed in a brandy snifter. Uh, I actually started mine probably warming up three hours ago or so. And so it had come close to room temperature in a snifter and just amazing. Just there's a certain phrase I use for this that I can't in this episode. Hmm. <laughs> Word of video episode. Right. Yes. All right. So I also partook in some dark beverages this oh. past, uh, this, this past few <laughs> ones. No. So I did some tea. Um, I did have a few green teas. I had a good competition grade green tea and uh, a nice oolong as well. 
But my I'm doing my... about shape shifting pigs. I'm sorry. What? Never mind. Dragon Ball Z. Dude, with, never mind. All I have to do is say, uh, say, uh, phenols. There we go. Esters <laughs> uh, and phenols. Esters and phenols. We'll reset there. So, anyways, I had some darks. I went with porters and stouts for the whole group. Um, I had with Bob, even though we or Justin, even though we are in different places, we apparently had the same idea, and we both. I'm sorry. What, what happened? I, I blacked out for a minute. <laughs> We went with the hardwired natu- uh, hardwired nitro um, porter from Left Hand Brewing. Um, then after that coffee beer to start the morning, I went with a beer for breakfast stout, which was mm. a nice secondary start to the morning. Mm. Yeah, and then finally, when we were getting to the end of uh, celebrating Utah for all of their hard work <laughs> in ending prohibition, I went with the polygamy porter, mm. which is quite good. Wasatch Brewing, yeah, polygamy porter is pretty solid. I like it. It was, and you know, it was nice, tasty, smooth. It was on nitro, so that was a good, smooth, mm. uh, smooth beer there. Yeah, that was quite good right. when we had that at, at Snowbird last time. Yeah, I haven't had it in a while. I'm looking forward to heading back and maybe trying to grab some more. All right, cool. So, uh, I think that's it for this episode. We give all the announcements up front. So, yeah, and we're I think we're, we're finally done with Prohibition, guys. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Send the troops home. Yes, if you guys have any feedback on we the series, it. please let us know. Yes, and. Again, can't thank Justin enough yes. for the work he did no, on this. No, 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 it's fine. It wasn't that much. No, you did amazing work. 12 hours straight of work with no food and no water. <laughs> we, lo- we, no, locked no, him, no. we locked him in a basement. Only 11 hours straight with no food and water. It's fine. <laughs> there was beer. <laughs> there was beer. Like That's what got me through. Right. So you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Go there to also subscribe to our video Pod, our video series of uh, shows. Uh, follow us at Have a Drink Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please rate the show on iTunes to help spread the word. Yeah, and you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. Use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Trust us, nothing makes us more excited than just seeing feedback pop up. We're like, oh! Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Brittany shares it with us. We're like, oh, we have feedback. People, they like us. They really like us. <laughs> and all joking and fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Uber, Lyft, we don't care which one you use. Get around responsibly. Yes. Or lock yourself in your apartment and drink way too much beer in the middle of the day. And drink for six hours straight. I mean, oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Uh, so check us out. We're doing, another... shots of, we're doing shots of whiskey after this, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to be tomorrow until like four o'clock. Why not? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I wish that were the case. Uh, check us out another couple of weeks for the next episode for the next audio episode. Check us out in the next Sunday for the next video episode. <laughs> Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. See you next time. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Bye.